podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of It's Only A Game podcast. My name's Greg, I'm a Rochdale supporter for my sins. Um, I've joined, as ever, with Deck, Tramway fan. How are you, Deck? You okay? Evening, Greg. Not too bad, mate. Not too bad on the back of two wins. So, uh, flying high in League Two. A scary height of about 11th place. Not too bad, mate. Superb. Superb. Um, we're also joined by two special guests. Uh, two Man United fans. Um, we've got Adam, Adam Malone, one of my friends from back home. That almost rhymes, that doesn't it? Yeah. How are you, Adam? You okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much for inviting me on. Uh, I enjoyed the first time that I was on the show, so it's nice to be back on again. Yes, we'll be giving you the hat-trick ball next if you were uh, <laughs> on for the third time. Uh, we've also got Simon, Simon Mann, from one of my mates from the uni days when I used to go to Huddersfield Uni. Uh, also a Man United fan. How are you, Simon? You okay? I'm, I'm excellent. Yeah, I'm delighted to be here. First time. I I went on my honeymoon last month, but I'm I'm happy to say that being on this podcast with you guys on a Wednesday night is my highlight of 2023. Oh, hey, look at that! <laughs> look at that! Not many wow. people have said I'm in their highlight for 2023, but you know. <laughs> well, I figured you know straight away I'd just get in with a lie, and then you know you know the sort of sincerity I'll bring for the rest of the program. There we go. There we go. You sound like you're going to fit in just well, Simon. Just well, mate. <laughs> um, Jimmy and De- uh, sorry, Jimmy and Deck. Jimmy and Matt can't make it this afternoon, unfortunately. Matt's a little bit busy, and Jimmy is in Las Vegas of all places with his with his missus. I think they're doing some sort of run. Is that right, Deck? Some sort of running around. I thought stuff. he'd gone over there selling himself. Is it not? Is that not his? No. I saw I saw Jimmy in Vegas for 5K, but maybe he was running 5K rather than selling himself. But I, I don't ah, know. Okay. He, he might come back with a missing kidney. I'm not sure what his intentions are, but he's, uh, yeah. he's doing all right, I think. Yeah, I went to Las Vegas on my honeymoon. That's where I went. Oh, blimey. There's a theme. There's a theme. And Jimmy went to Huddersfield Uni. Wow. <laughs> there you go. It's all, all linking together. The classic Huddersfield-Vegas combo. There you go. There you go. It sounds like... <laughs> the, uh, it sounds like a burger, that, doesn't it? And a dodgy kebab house. <laughs> oh, dear. One of the most sordid, deceitful, uh, but at the same time, glamorous places on the planet and Las Vegas. There you go. <laughs> That's the one. So, um, I think we're going to start. We It was the... the Car- is it the Carabao Cup? It's called the Carabao Cup. I still call it League Cup Final. It was a, it was the League Cup final over the weekend, and Manchester United beat Newcastle somewhat convincingly. Maybe you could say uh, there wasn't much of a fight from Newcastle, in my opinion. Um, we're going to go to Adam and Simon for their take on the final. Um, how do you think they played, uh, lads? Do you think that was is it is, is it a good performance? Is it a good? Obviously, it's a good result because you've won. What, what's your take on the final, all in all? Uh, I'll let you go first, Simon. I was delighted. I mean, it's just good to be winning stuff again. I, I watched it in a pub. So, you know, it's not always easy to sort of fully follow the game because um, it's sort of... Well, I mean, the atmosphere was amazing. There was, there was obviously a time when, quite frankly, we were kind of above the Carling Cup. I mean, uh, above the League Cup even. Like, you know, and this sort of image... I remember one year 
we won it, and like Roy Keane sort of lifts it up with such contempt almost. And it was, you know, you were back in, it was almost like a glorified training session for them. But, you know, it's been a while since we've won anything. It was good to be at Wembley. It was good to be winning stuff. And I kind of, in a way, because it was so long since we've won anything, I kind of enjoyed that the final itself was a bit dull. You know, United just went up, went in front quite early on, went 2-0 up in the second half and looked pretty comfortable. And I was able to just enjoy it and relax into the day. Strangely, sort of pre-match, Ten Hag, who had gone for, I think he'd gone for dinner or something with Ferguson in the week. And then suddenly he comes out with this sort of spiky comment about how boring Newcastle are and how hard they are, how boring they are to play against and stuff. But actually, I think, weirdly, we did that to them once we went 2-0 up. So we sort of killed the game off a bit and nullified it. And I was just able to enjoy it. But there was one, I mean, one downside of the day. At one point, someone kind of, it was quite crowded in this pub and someone sort of backed into me. So I ended up with lager down my teeth, lager down my shirt. Which is all, and, and you know, obviously then, from then on, you sort of smell, you know, you're conscious of the fact that if you go anywhere else, you'll smell. And they'll think that's because I couldn't handle my drink, but it was it was the guy that was swaying in front of me. But other than that, great day. <laughs> Cup final chaos. Cup, Cup final, final chaos. I once had a pint of dinner spilt over a brand new pair of gazelles when we played Watford away, before the oh. game had even kicked off. Fuming <laughs> I was. Yeah, not good. Yeah, they were like a very light grey as well. They're not anymore. But uh... <laughs> oh. you can't really be putting them in the washing machine, can you? I mean, they're a sort of oh, that, that is tough. The greatest physical theatre ever saw live actually was in a pub next to um, Griffin Park, the old Brentford Stadium, one of the four pubs. And a guy walked past me, and his left palm of his left hand rammed pub after a match. He had three Guinnesses in the palm of his hand, and he sort of just walked. He just sort of wafted it. Wow. As he walked round, didn't spill a drop. That's, Wasn't uh... David Seaman, was he? Shovel hand, no. <laughs> I, I, I would have recognised that ponytail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and his accent as well, probably. <laughs> oh. What's your take, Adam, on the overall on on the final? Um, I'll just say first when Simon said Carling Cup, that's what I still call it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but um, it, I think it just has more of a ring to it as well. But yeah. no, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't the best final ever, um, but I feel like it was, even though Newcastle were attacking us in the second half, it didn't seem like, I might be wrong, I've not looked at the stats or anything, but it just seemed like we. They didn't really get a lot of shots on goal or we were just blocking them. I know, I think this, the Hay made a couple of saves, but it. I never felt like, I never felt on edge, uh, as silly as it might sound. I, I, was, I was just watching it at home and um, I felt pretty relaxed as I was watching it, which was nice. Um, and yeah, I, I did actually really want to win as well because... I think it has been nearly six years or six seasons that we haven't won a trophy. And it was just nice to to finally get over the line because I know there was a couple... Well, I think the last final was maybe the Europa League. I can't remember what year it was, but Solskjaer was the manager. And we had to watch that penalty shootout that just went on forever. And like in the end, we lost because De Gea missed his penalty. And I'm sure there was maybe something else where we came close as well. But... Yeah, I, I was really happy in the end. I thought the team played well. And I think what it was, more than anything, is we were just all very mature. We had the players out there that knew what they were doing. 
like Casemiro, Varane, Martinez. Yeah, it it just seemed yeah, like... like we had a, we had a lot of players. You just looked at pretty much thought like they they played in a lot of big finals. Yeah, you know they weren't going to be overall by the by the experience. You know, multiple Champions Leagues. When I was looking at that Newcastle team, I think there was a there was a lot of people that hadn't really won anything in their career. Mm. I think big final experience counts for a lot. Yeah, yeah. There was a stat on that Casemiro. Um, I mean. Gregor will know this. I'm not a, a top league football pundit by any stretch of the imagination. So when I watch two... Yeah, neither, neither is Martin Keown, but he makes a career. <laughs> oh, no, but uh, watching, watching Match of the Day is kind of a, an education to me some weeks. It's, uh, I, I do find it hard to yeah. keep track on who's where. But Casemiro, there was a stat on there. I think it was something like it, that was his 12th major final or classed as a major final. Um, of which he'd won 10 of them up until that day or something. And it, as you're saying, I think that kind of big game experience and that kind of being there, done that mentality mm. really does stand teams in good stead. Um, I think that's what, not to take anything away from United, but as you say, I think that's what Newcastle were missing. Um, I think they're, they're one or two out-and-out strikers away from being a, a bit of a force to be reckoned with in another season or so. Um, and obviously the money that, that's involved there, I think that's only a matter of time before that happens. But United, for me, looked, as you say, very comfortable. Saw the game off fairly early doors. Um, could the Newcastle keeper have done a little bit better with a few the goals? Possibly. But, um, you know, two two good finishes and they kind of shut up shop, didn't they? I mean, Newcastle have just had a little look. We've got a, a history, haven't we, Greg, of uh, looking on FOTMOB. Other football stat apps are available. Oh, um, yes. But Newcastle's possession there, not that a game is won by stats, but Newcastle, 61% possession. But, you know, United had only one less shot than them. Um, the passes play a little bit less accurate, a lot more fouls and so on, but... You know, they, they were more clinical on the day, and that's that's what wins your finals. You can you can be in control of a game without having the ball, can't you? And I think that's what United did certainly yeah. second half. Um, they allowed Newcastle a possession, but didn't allow them to do anything with it. Um, yeah. yeah, and sort of cynically, I, I I sort of feel like it's inevitable. Obviously, with all the money behind them, that Newcastle are going to get better and better and become the sort of side that does win things. And so just a bit of me thought it's good to just try and delay that for a bit of time. You know, just put off, you know, like winning your first major thing will always be, winning your first trophy will always be a big moment for the club. And I think it'll always be a thing that hangs over until he wins something. And I always felt it with Manchester City, like, you know, as long as we could hold them off winning the Premier League title, it'd always be a big thing. And then obviously, eventually it's going to happen and then the floodgates will open. I think the same will happen with Newcastle. And, you know, just sort of delaying them a little bit and sort of uh, still making it. You know, when you saw Newcastle, and, 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 you know, like you can only imagine what it must have been like to live in Newcastle the week before the final. It's a one-club city. Everyone in the city, you know, if you play for Newcastle, you you know, you nip to Asda. You, you probably don't go to Asda, but, you, you know, you get my point. Like, you know, every time you bump into someone, it's going to be that, you know, the whole city must have been on edge. I think that's what it'll be like until they win something. I mean, I did... I did think the subs they brought on were, you know, the sort of the players that from the sort of Mike Ashley era, weren't they? I can't remember. They bring on Jacob Murphy. And you think, well, get you know, and that's where they're still lacking a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Um, I think you were saying there before, Sam. You kind of alluded to it that the uh, as some of my mates would call it, the milk cup. 
as it, in the eighties or whenever it was, it was sponsored <laughs> by them. Um, the that would have been kind of the perfect gateway for them, or a little kind of segue for them to be, you know, take the take that hindrance of a cup final and whatever away. Um, but as as you say, I think it's only a matter of time. But having said that, the money that you know Liverpool have been promised today for the the transfer window, they've been told they'll have an obscene amount of money for next year. City are going to continue to spend. Obviously, we can we can go on to it in a couple of minutes. But the you know the suspected takeover at United. Um, you know, spares and not spend the money. It's it's uh, they don't have to really spend big to to be able to overtake those kind of your, tra- your traditional kind of top four or five sides, aren't they? Um, which is going to be a big ask. I think eventually they will. They're a big enough club. The fan base is there. Um, obviously, fantastic history and stuff at the club. And to be fair, that they're a fairly genuine top side. You know, that the fan base seems quite good. You don't really hear. Have a lot of trouble or anything with them. That they're well backed, they're well followed. Just passionate football fans, a a real like traditional top flight English club, really. So it, it'd be nice from my perspective anyway to see them do well. But obviously for uh, for the pair of you, you'd be glad that that wasn't last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got a quick question actually to well to everybody really. Um, obviously, I was I was listening to Gary Neville after the match, and he's talking about how. Ten Hag has made some of these big decisions in terms of the Ronaldo situation, uh, Maguire, dropping Maguire, um, different things with Rashford. Rashford's not necessarily a problem or anything. Just, just, just ma- I think it's just managing these um, big names, I think. How do, you think he's, how do you think he's got it right on so many, you could say, like multiple levels, really? Because Ren- Ronaldo, that's quite a big issue. Uh, Maguire, not quite... How can I say this? He's not. He couldn't. I mean, I wouldn't say he's the best defender in the in the league type of situation. So he has dropped him. Rashford um, did he did he bench him and then he's put him back on again and things like that. Well, he benched him when he turned up late for training, I think, and then he was on the bench. I think he was a game against Wolves. That's the one. How do you think he's managed to sort of manage all these problems at once? Is there any anything in that? Do you think, or is it just because he's a bit of a cool character, or? I think he has a, he has a winning mentality. He's not compromised on certain things, and you know, and, and he, he you know he's sort of set a standard, and he's treated people you know in, in a way that you know the idea of United just scrambling around to try and get in the top four isn't acceptable anymore, and I think that that has sort of ran through the club. Also, you know, I think he's just dealt with issues individually really well, and he's had the courage of his convictions as well. And, you know. Obviously, the players he's got out of the club in someone like Ronaldo, but also like, he really put his neck on the line with like Martinez and Anthony. You know, when when United signed Martinez, everyone was saying he's not big enough to be a centre half in the Premier League. All right, maybe he got away with it in Holland, but you know he's going to be found out here. But you know, it was Eric Ten Hag, and Eric Ten Hag could have been swayed by that and gone, oh maybe, yeah, maybe what I've done in the past hasn't worked. But he he stuck with him. He believed in him. And even when we were losing those games against, you know, I think it was Brentford and Brighton at the start of the season, he sort of he stuck with him in some ways. But also, he sort of adapted the way we played. He understood you can't just play out from the bat with with David de Gea. And I think he sort of picked the right battles to to take people on with. The way he dealt with the Ronaldo situation was, you know, perfect in many ways. And yeah. eventually waited for, for Ronaldo to to make himself the, you know, I think if, if he'd if Ten Hag had sort of taken Ronaldo on publicly at the start, I think that would have been a difficult situation for him. But he sort of just kept treating Ronaldo slightly badly 
maybe not playing him to the point where Ronaldo then self com uh, self combusted and everyone was like, well, yeah, Ronaldo has to leave. I think you've gone there, Simon. Uh, I know. I just came to the end of my math. I just ran out of thought. <laughs> oh, sorry. I thought you. I thought your audio had gone. Basically, I uh, woke up at three thirty this morning because I, work, I worked in early. Yeah. So I'm always worried that I'm slightly delirious and tired, and I thought, oh, maybe I'm talking too much. I'll let somebody else have a go. <laughs> no, no, no. You, this is a podcast. No, don't if you're delirious that. and tired, you're in the right place. Yeah. In the right shop. Absolutely. That's probably that should have been the, the podcast tired and delirious, but yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts, Adam? What do you think? Do you think he's is there any any sort of link between how he's getting all these little problems right at the same time or I think anything? it's more along the line I don't think it's just a coincidence. Um I remember seeing it, it was like a little mini documentary that Sky Sports did uh before his first sort of uh, not he was already at United, but I think before his first Premier League game, um, it was shown like a little documentary of like his where he'd come from, the uh, jobs he'd had in the past, and how he'd done with those teams. And everywhere he's been, he's overachieved. He's he's done brilliant things for the club. Um, you know, he nearly got Ajax to a Champions League final, um, and it was only because Tottenham. Uh, I suppose got a bit of a wonder goal at the end in the last second to go through that stopped them but I think it's more just that he puts the work in every day and that's what he wants from his players so I, yeah it's probably just standards like look I'm doing this like after the 4-0 Brentford game he got them all back in training the next day and I can't remember exactly, but I think for the amount of um, sprints or the, the distance travelled that Brentford ran more than Manchester United, he made them run that distance, but he ran with them. And yeah, I just think it's more putting the standards in place and just normal things. Another thing that he's putting is that they all wants everyone to have dinner together at the training ground just so they eat together, they train together, they get to know each other a bit more and they just work hard. I've seen a few videos of him shouting on the training ground when someone doesn't pass with the right foot <laughs> and things like that. So it's just attention to detail and standards and I think he's done so well. I was really chuffed when I found out he was going to become our manager because I think we were linked with a few people like Brendan Rogers, and I'm sure there was someone else that well, I was uh, a Poch guy this time last year. Oh, really? Yeah, the, Pochettino, mm -hmm. he was the other main man, wasn't he? And I remember I, I did want to hug. I didn't know a lot about him, to be fair. But I thought, from what I've seen with Ajax, which wasn't a lot, but he just, he seems like he's a very good manager. And he seemed like he was the next sort of, you know, like you'd hear the hype about Jurgen Klopp like 10 years ago before he went to Liverpool and did really well with Borussia Dortmund. He seemed like he was the next sort of in that category of this guy could be a world-class manager. So, yeah, it just seemed like the right step forward to get him. And he's been flawless. Is Everything he's done, I think, yeah, there's, I can't really say enough about him. I'm just really glad that he's the manager. And a lot of yeah, the guys... Yeah, it's, really, it's really impressive the way he's like... like like improved players that are there as yeah. well. I think that's what we've really not seen in the last few years 
you know, players kind of came in and they're at whatever level they were at. And under, you know, I loved Oli, but you know, players didn't improve in the way that we are seeing Wambasaka is like, you know, Wambasaka looked like his career was over. You know, you're thinking maybe he'll go back to Palace, but, you know, zero chance of him ever getting a shot at another at a big club yet again. Again, But, you know, all of a sudden, he's he looks brilliant. And yeah. Luke Shaw's having an incredible season. The way that he called Garnacho out at the start of the season and was like, oh, he's not really putting the work in. And, he asked, you know, he's clearly decided that's the best way to approach it with him. Whereas equally, he sort of took Jaden Sancho out of the limelight a bit. Sent him off to Holland. You know, he sort of individually improved players. You know, this time last year, there was, there was, you know, United fans calling for United to sell Rashford. Yeah. You know, they've all gone quiet now, but, you know, and, and, you know it seems mad the idea we would ever consider getting rid of Rashford. But under Ten Hag's been able to sort of work individually with each player and improve them all. And it's, uh, you could say it's very rare that. Managers can do that really because I was trying to think of of a situation where like Pep Guardiola, Klopp, whoever. I don't think they've had to have problems like this. Do you know where they've got a mega star like Ronaldo who's kicking up a fuss? Um, the captain's not quite the best defender in the or, or what have you. Um, you know, yes, they've got their own little problems, but I don't think they're anything on this scale really. And I was trying to, I couldn't think of anything where. Anything similar, really. So he has done well to be able to, because like Gary Neville, obviously talking about after the game, and he's like, "Oh, he's he's done well. It's a bit ballsy, basically doing what he's, he were doing, really, with Ronaldo and things like that." And you think, "Crikey, he's, he's he's had to really." I mean, what what was the other lad? The Ralph Ranick, is he called the one before? Yeah. That wasn't quite. It was all it was here, there, and no. He didn't really know what you, what was happening, did they? Really, because he was going, he wasn't going. He's he's here for six months. Did they give him transfer money? Did they not? And it was a little bit. There was a lot of question marks. Really, there was more more questions than anything being answered. Really, with him, I think. But this fellow's obviously come into the job, and he he's sort of sorted it out so far. Anyway, um, do you think they could possibly challenge for the title next year? Do you think they could? Obviously, might need a few more players or. Do you think that might be possible, Adam and Simon? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I, I do. I, I do think we will challenge. Um, I don't see. I can't see us going backwards. Uh, I don't know. To be fair, I don't really know. I don't really know where we're strengthening at the moment. Obviously, we probably need to strengthen in quite a few places. But the the way he's just made the players improve. And like, especially just during matches as well, where he just brings on the right substitutions, and you just have trust in him, like knowing that he knows what he's doing. And so, yeah. I think the board will, yeah, they'll take that on board, and or they should do. And I suppose they'll give him as much money. It depends with all the takeover stuff, I suppose. But I think if if nothing's going to happen in the summer with any takeovers. And they do have the money available. They'll just give it him and say, "Yeah, go do what you want with it." And they should do that because he's deserved it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fully on the hype train. To be honest, yeah. I think we've weirdly, given how sort of disastrous the last ten years has felt, we've had a few kind of false dawns within it. You know, we finished second under Jose. We finished second under Ollie. But 
Like, both those times, it felt very fragile. It felt like it was about to fall apart. It doesn't feel like that now. It really feels like we are going in the right direction. You know, I, I think... I think we'll sign a striker in the summer. I think, that, I think signing a striker will be the big, the big United transfer, whoever the owners are at that stage. Um, you know, you, about Vekos, for all the running he does, doesn't look like he's ever going to score another goal again. Um, <laughs> but and, and I think we'll have to do something with the goalkeeper situation. My instinct is that David De Gea will sign a new contract, but as it stands, his contract runs out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all just sort of feels sort of positive at the moment. And yeah, and it feels like Ten Hag's got a plan, and it feels like the players are fully bought into that plan. And yeah, you know, I think definite title challenge next year. And yeah, you know, still a bit of me, a bit of me just still believes that at some point Arsenal will fall apart, and maybe, maybe we could we could do it this year. But I am, you know, as I said, very tired. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's funny you should talk about Arsenal. Um, me, Deck, Matt and Jimmy might have been the podcast before last. We were talking about Arsenal. If if it, if they can keep going, will it fall apart? Um, we, I think we did, didn't we? Deck? We were talking about Man City know how to win the league. They've done it before from behind. Um, it's an interesting question because obviously when we were a little bit younger at Arsenal, it was Arsenal... That were near the title, all you know, every other season or whatever. Henri, Burkamp, players like that. Do you think? Do you think? Obviously, as Man United fans, do you think Arsenal could win it, or do you think they could crumble? Obviously, you look at City, City are behind. Well, they're thereabouts, aren't they? Still, they know how to win the league, don't they? They've done it before. Can Arsenal keep it up? Do you think? I think Arsenal will win it. Do you think so? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Um, yeah. I, I just because. City seem to be just dropping silly points uh, for some reason, and I feel like Arteta he'll he'll just drill it home to his side. Like this is it's probably the best chance. If I don't know when the last time they're challenging for a Premier League, it might have been when Leicester won it. So it's been a while. Um, yeah. So this is the best chance they've had for a very very long time, and I, especially I think what might help it will help them is that because of how well City have done over the last five, six years and the high standards that they've had, they know that they can't they can let the standards slip because otherwise, if they do, City will catch up. But as well, I think I thought they were going to lose to Aston Villa. Well, when it was half-time at Aston Villa, I think they were winning 2-1. But then Arsenal pulled it back. They, they got the equaliser, but then they scored two goals in like injury time to mm. beat them. And I don't think you do things like that by fluke. I think, yeah, so I think they, they're going to do it. What do you reckon, Simon? I, I've always felt that sort of Arsenal's belief they can win the title is, is pretty fragile and that at some point it'll fall apart. I thought it kind of was. I, I agree that I think that, that comeback to win at Villa was huge. I think that they had a few bad results and I think it was a time when you started to think, oh, 
maybe this is where it all goes wrong and suddenly you know city got right up close to them and then they managed to pull that victory out of the bag i think if they play city pretty soon don't they that, that'll feel like a big game um and i still just think you know it's a very thin squad like a few bad injuries in key areas and i think they could be they could be in trouble i Deep down, I think Manchester City will, will end up winning the title. I think they'll be able to sort of go on a bit of a run towards the end and start grinding out results. Uh, and then, you know they've got all that squad depth, and I think that could you know that could prove crucial. We're still in this sort of weird bit of the season where, because of the World Cup, you know there's still so many games to cram in between now and the end of the season. You're going to end up playing, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, and I think City have got the squad depth to. to to do that, and I just think Arsenal might come up short. What do you two think? Yeah, what do you I, I, um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I think I said before on, on the episode when we discussed this, for me, as a kind of a football purist or someone who just enjoys, obviously, watching top flight, um, I've got no kind of links or anything to any of the, the big sides. Um Obviously, when when Liverpool won it a few years ago, for me, that was quite nice in terms of that it was someone... Obviously, they've got a fantastic history of winning it, but in more recent years, it kind of takes away from the whole United, City, Chelsea, etc. And I think Arsenal kind of fall into that bracket now. Was it 2003 or four when they last won it? The the unbeaten season in and around there, 2004. Um, You know, so so looking at that now, you know, you're coming on, what, 19 years? So... They kind of fall into that bracket for me, whereby for me it would be nice to see someone different win it. Obviously, it's not a completely new side. Um, it just switches it up, and I think when it comes to the summer and it comes to transfers and so on, you've got all of these big names being battered around. It gives them a little bit of food for thought as well. You know, you can go to your proven United cities and so on, but then it, you know, it allows those teams to attract players based on merit as well as kind of the financial situation. Do I think they'll do it? I think, um, as Simon just said then about you know squad depth and so on, based on the start and eleven, if they can stay fit, there's no reason why they won't. But obviously, a couple of injuries here or there, um, you know, obviously City their their squad depth is unreal. They could drop a whole eleven players and still beat most sides in the Premier League comfortably. Um, and they've got that experience of going and winning it, and they've got a lot of players within that squad. They've got that core core of the the squad that, regardless of the number of players that have been in and out, they've kind of kept that over recent years. So I know I've not really answered the question. I've sat on the fence there, haven't I? Um, again, I have a history of doing that, Adam and Simon. Um, I think I should nick, nickname myself the Splinter because I end up pulling a few of them out myself <laughs> at the end of the episodes. But yeah, I th- I'm going to put my neck on a line and say Arsenal will win it just but I think it'll come down to kind of the last one to two games. It, they, they won't pull away with it. It's it's going to be interesting. Um, I think I would like Arsenal to win it. I know it sounds a little bit daft, but it would just put another name. It would throw another name into the hat for the next few seasons, I think. So obviously, like Liverpool have won it somewhat recently in City Elf, and then obviously historically you've got United and Chelsea in there. Then you've got the random one, obviously, Leicester winning it. But I think it would just be another name to throw in there for contention for going forward. And it just sort of freshens it up sometimes. And like obviously, me, me and Deck, we, we're League Two supporters, but we obviously keep an eye on the, the top divisions, top competitions and things like that. But sometimes you need it to freshen up a little bit. 
I know, obviously, like United, you two will want to win the trophies and things like that. But I think sometimes as a neutral, you go, oh, that's that's different. You know, like Leicester winning, Leicester winning the FA Cup, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. I was like, yeah, I'll take that. That's, that's a little bit different, you know, and then... And yeah. it is good just to have, like, a genuine title race, isn't it? And for yeah. a few years now, we've had this sort of weird, like, City and Liverpool just, just like, not dropping any points at all. Yeah. So you, like, you sort of know that, all right, what, City are three points clear, well, they won't drop another point. So they'll, you know, deep down it just felt like, yeah, well, City are going to go on and win this, aren't they? Whereas now, like, all the, all the teams are dropping points. Genuine title race is, it is exciting. And I think it's also, well, I mean, we've only just got into March, but there's no real front runner. There's, it's, it's Arsenal and City. Obviously, United are doing quite well, unbeaten in so many games and things like that. But it's still very much a question mark on, is it Arsenal, is it City? Could United pull forward a little bit? But then if you look look at it on the, on the wider scale of the league, I don't think many people would have had Arsenal top in March. If you'd have said last season, Arsenal will be top by March. You know, and you think, I'm not too sure about that. And then obviously you look at Spurs and, and Liverpool, especially Liverpool have fell away a little bit. Chelsea are on a bit of a, a weird spell where they're not particularly picking points up and it's all going, all the headlines seem to be Chelsea not doing this, not doing that. So it's been a very, I don't know, it's like everything's flipped a little bit, which is um, Liverpool going one way and Arsenal going the other. It, it's, it's, it is refreshing to see a little bit. Um, I think for me, the issue with Liverpool is they've kind of, as you as you've just said there, like City, they had the two, three years really where they were unplayable and arguably in any other season without City being as strong as they've been, Liverpool would have won three back-to-back titles. Um, They've not really replenished the squad. They've kind of, they've lost or, you know, sold seemingly quite happily at the time key players and they've not really overly invested. Obviously, they've spent money, but in comparison to to some of the other top flight uh, clubs, they've not really kind of, they've kept that core of players, but you look at the likes of, I mean, Henderson, I I like Henderson as a player. You look at Milner and so on, but then are they a little bit over-reliant on those players now where every game they can't get 60 minutes? Those players have kind of got old together, haven't they? Yeah. yeah, they've had, as you say, it's, it's an aging squad. They were fairly old when they were, you know, starting that kind of unbeaten, well, three years. Um, but I think the kind of it's catching up with them a little bit now. But I, I, just having a little look at the the league there. I mean, talking about obviously how much of a different season it's been in comparison to to previous seasons. You've got Newcastle there. We've got three games and uh, sorry, two games in hand. They're four points off fourth spot. Pressure's massively on Tottenham to not drop any points at all. And, you know, you could see them going another year without Champions League or, you know, drop out of Champions League again. And if you look a little bit further down, I mean, Fulham have massively overachieved this season. They're sitting in sixth spot at the minute, having played a couple of games more, granted. Um, Brighton as well, 22 games. They've got three games in hand on Spurs. Um, Ten points behind. I mean, God, imagine if they managed to pick up three wins there and really put pressure on for Champions League. I mean, you know, they're all lift butts and maybes, but at the start of the season, if you're a if you're a betting man, there's no way you would have predicted what's gone on. Um, this is it. Well, at the it, moment, very real chance Brighton will finish ahead of Chelsea. I guess. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Chelsea are yeah. what thirty-one points, four points below them. I haven't played two games more. Um, 
it, yeah, it's just. But as we were saying, it makes for an exciting season, doesn't it? You're not turning match of the day on every you know Sunday morning or whatever and seeing. I mean, yeah, City are still steamrolling teams with with goals galore and so on. But you've got teams up there. I mean, we've had we've had a um, his name goes past me now. Brian oh, Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe yeah. from um, Albion obsessed on and. You know, you look at how their club is structured now, and you know the, the likes of Brentford as well. Brentford doing fantastic, and it it it's reassuring for for the likes of me and Greg, whereby Brenton and Bre- uh, Brighton and Brentford were both in League One, League Two with us not that yeah. long ago. Arguably, oh, yeah. smaller clubs to an extent when they've been at our level in terms of the dates and stuff that they're getting, and they're, they're holding their own up there. They're not spending money that they've not got. They've got really good systems in place. And it's just it's just refreshing to see, isn't it? A little bit of a change in the top flight. Um, I'll shut up now and let someone else have a go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry, Don't you worry, um, Adam. I'm going to come back to you, Adam. Um, so Man United, going back to Man United slightly, um, he's still in quite a few competitions. I've noticed as well. Obviously, mm. we got we got the FA Cup game that's going on right now. I think it's nil nil. Um, I'm going to have to check. I'm not. Could be a Chris Kamara yeah, so. moment, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, Man United it's nil. nil. It's nil nil, but Anthony Vandenborg has been sent off. Has he? Right. Okay. Blimey. So, still in the FA Cup, Adam. Still in the Europa League, and still technically within, you know, mathematically you could win the league, but we don't. We're not too, you know. Um, which ones? Which which trophy do you want? If if you could, you know, any priority there? I mean, obviously the the league is, but yeah. you take the <laughs> FA Cup, wouldn't you? I think. Well, of course I would. I'll if take all of them, any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not so. Yeah, I, I suppose because it's just been a while since we've won tro- we've won trophies. I know we won the League Cup, but I do want us to just get back to that. I suppose mentality of just we're in it to win it for everything, and the more we can win, the more experience the players are going to have to go on and win a Premier League and a Champions League. So, and the Europa League is a hard competition. Like beating Barcelona, that was that they were they're flying in the Spanish league at the moment. Um so yeah, that was a brilliant result for us. Uh I don't think I mean I'm not sure how Simon would have felt about it, but I don't think United fans they were just happy to, to see the game. I, I don't know if I wasn't so bothered like if if we won I was like, oh yeah, great. But I, I didn't expect us to win until uh, after the first game at the new camp and we got the draw. I was like, oh you know what? Yeah we can have them at Old Trafford. But before the game of the new camp, I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy this as if it's like a bit of an exhibition match. Because we've always been, I can't, I don't think I've ever seen United win against Barcelona at the new camp. Um, they were always usually just draw or lose. But yeah, I, I think we have a chance of probably not the Premier League now, unless. City and Arsenal really slip up, but I think for any, any other competition, yeah, I think we're right in there. Yeah, I agree. When we uh, when we drew United, uh, when we drew Barcelona, I was really excited and like just like big European night against Barcelona. It sort of felt like the old days, even though sort of neither club are sort of where they were. I mean, I suppose, but I think Barcelona are actually top of the league at the moment. But like both clubs sort of feel like they're rebuilding. But it was just exciting against being those sort of matches. Um, and yeah, and, and also I always think, and the arrogance of being a Manchester United fan is, I always sort of believe either we should be in, we should try and win a competition, 
or you might as well get knocked out of it. And I, I sort of feel that about the Europa League. Either I want to win it, or you might as well get knocked out, and then you can have some time off and not play all the games. Like I'm not that asked about just making it to the semi-finals. What a great run! I sort of want, so I sort of want to play the best teams in the Europa League. Do you think? Well, either we beat Barcelona, and now you think, wow, we got a real chance of winning this. Or you're knocked out and you you don't have as much fixture congestion going forward. But, I mean, in terms of if I could win any of them, if you, for United to win the Premier League again, I would absolutely lose my head. I don't know. I, I don't know how I'd go. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Open top bus. Not like Mike Bassett, though, when it's... Um... Yeah, I'd go full, full Mike Bassett, yeah. 4-4-2, <laughs> Mike. 4-4-2. Oh, man, honestly, I... <laughs> we, we, we quote Mike Bassett quite a lot on the on the pod. Well, once every month or something at least. But me and my dad quote Mike Bassett like One of the great every players. other week. Every other week we must quote Mike Bassett. I watched my dad's like, he made the tournament. Oh yeah, it's just yeah, it's such a good film. It's like the it's just what was what's the one we always quote? I think Matt Matt quotes it. Matt, who's usually on with us, he quotes the. Um, He's um, got all the finishing of a Renault Espace or something, something like that. We're better than the Tunisians. That's one of my favourites. Oh, I love that. <laughs> we're be- oh, Mexicans. We're better than the Mexicans. <laughs> when they lose that game, it's like, have we got any positive, lads? Yeah, well, the Mexicans were good, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to think the bit. The bit when, um, what's the captain called? And Tonka. Oh, what a Tonka. player. That's who Newcastle are missing. Up front, yeah, missing, yeah. Is it is it that, or they're missing Mike Bassett? <laughs> <laughs> there's what there's one where I forgot what the character's called, and he pull he pulls over Mike Bassett in the um, changing room. He goes, "What's up?" And he goes, "How come I haven't got a nickname?" <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such a good film. Oh, I need to watch that now. I can't believe he's like twenty year old, isn't it? Something like that, roughly. Yeah. So something like that. Oh. So, um we're gonna talk a little bit to to deck about Tramir Rovers for a few more minutes and then we're gonna have Yeah, a I'll quiz. have to focus now. I was doodling some uh, Mike Bassett quotes. <laughs> something along the lines of him naming two players in the England squad. <laughs> Is it the oh, um that Benson and Edges bit? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Where do you see Benson and Edges on here, love? <laughs> oh, um, so we're going to speak to Deck a little bit about Tranmere Rovers, and then we're going to finish. Yeah, I'll try and not get two down, boys. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we're doing all right, aren't you? Well, better yeah, than us anyway. But I think everybody's better than us at the we're minute. We're ticking along. I think it's it's a very very difficult season to to judge. Really, I think as as you all know, I'm a big Mickey Mellon fan. Um, arguably our second most successful manager that we've ever had. And he came back, obviously, um, back in the last season. And I think we all kind of thought, right, he'll be really back this season. You know, we'll get the goal scorer in that we needed and so on. Um, there was then this complete change of kind of transfer policy at the club where everything was all about youth, going very much down the kind of Brentford, Brighton, kind of that modern approach, which arguably is the way to go but I think a club of our size it's a it's a big risk Mickey and the board have, have talked about you know young players and the, the problem with that being inconsistency 
and that is very much what we've seen this season. The issue for me is that you kind of sign, let's say every year they have a squad turnover of say 15, 16 players roughly because um, that, that's ultimately, I mean, Greg, you'll know this, that's that's what happens. Yeah. You have a squad turnover, God only knows how many loanees in a season. Um, you know, you're looking at the team sheet trying to figure out who people are some weeks. Granted, it's not been as bad as it has been in some previous seasons. But you look at this model that they've kind of brought in whereby they take a risk, say, on 10 players. Now, these aren't 10 squad players. These are 10 players almost that are starting every week. And you look at it and you think, OK, so out of those 10, let's say two of them make it in a season and they sell them on and make a little bit of profit. For those eight that don't make it, they get shut of them. And then the following season, another 10 players come through. For me, and we go back to, to what we were saying there about some of these top teams, it's all about having that core and that, that kind of spine of experience and players that get the club. And we haven't really got that. We've got a few players, granted, who've been there for kind of maybe five years, possibly six years as be our, our longer serving player now. Most, maybe two to three years, would be the majority of the squad. And I don't know, I think that's maybe where we've kind of lost our way a little bit. The squad doesn't really have an identity. Um, we've got some very, very talented individuals, but we're we're missing gold scorers massively. I mean, everyone at our level is, you know, on the hunt for, as we had over the couple of years in the conference, you know, your James Norwood, your Andy Cooks, your Paul Mullins and so on. Everyone's on the hunt for that player that maybe hasn't quite done it and you're the, you're the club that helps them find their way. You're not going to get that every season. Um, but when you've got kind of, I'll be very careful what I'm saying, but when you've when you've got the chairman then turning around to the fans and saying, okay, well, you know, in January, uh, sorry, at the start of the season, we missed out on seven strikers at, you know, the last day of the, the transfer window. Um, and they end up signing Joel Mumbongo, who I think has maybe 10 career appearances and he's our Lord and Saviour. Um, it, you know, it, it's that kind of, and then January comes around, you know that that's where we've needed to recruit. And then you hear then that four or five strikers have slipped through the net. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's kind of, the club's coming on leaps and bounds in terms of as a business and as, you know, being sustainable. There's not that worry of, you know, where's the next pay pack going to come from or anything like that. As a club, we're, we're solid. And I think as a, you know, potential future investment for somebody, we're there. Um, you know, there's big talks of, of um, ground move and, and so on to kind of bring us on to that next level bit of, of being self-sustained championship, which we were for a few years. And I think a club of our size, there's no reason why we can't do that. But at the same time, they've got to start getting things right on the pitch. Um, there's been big calls for, for Mellon to go and I can kind of see it, see why. You know, it's been 12 months of complete inconsistency. He'll go on five or six game run where you think, God, we could beat Bayern Munich if, if we were put in front of them now and then you'll struggle against as we did last night Crawley who was second from bottom and you know we, we couldn't get out of our own half for most of the game it's just I don't know massively inconsistent very kind of mundane football but at the end of the day I'll be there again on Saturday and I'll I'll enjoy moaning about it <laughs> <laughs> The trouble with strikers is like every January every club's looking around thinking yeah we just need a goal scorer and no club is going around going, ah, oh, we've got too many goal scorers. Mm-hmm. We need to get rid of some goal scorers. And, you know, it's always an absolute... Now, I, a mate of mine's a, a big Matt Town fan. He used to go and watch them quite a bit when they're in National League. And what would happen all the time pre-season, it'd be like, oh, we just need, like, a big lad up front who can hold it up. And it's like, well, yeah, but the trouble is, 
big lads who can hold it up aren't going to come and play for Mac. You know, the big lads that can hold it up have sort of got a job in the football league somewhere. And yeah, I think that's the trouble is the sort of the, the ideal player can go and play at a higher level than it's always you're always going to sort of have to deal with slightly flawed players, whether that's you, you're taking a chance on them because they've just not been able to prove themselves somewhere or they've, they've proven not to be good enough at a higher level. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's very much, we kind of, how did the owner put it the other week? Um, we we shop in a very selective window. And I think, realistically, that's where we've got to accept that we are as a club at the minute. That's not being disrespectful to any other League Two club because we are very much a bog-standard League Two club at the minute. I think because we had those back-to-back promotions, we were in League One, we were attracting players <coughs> and so on, and that's now been taken away a little bit. We've got to accept where we are. Um, and, you know, if you're if you're a 20, 25-goal-a-season kind of player and the likes of Bradford come for you in our division, well, Bradford are going to be paying six, £7,000 a week. We could probably stretch to two. Who are you going to go to? You know, it's that it's that kind of thing of, yeah, yeah. you know, we no, are a big so club for that level, but we're not the biggest. Yeah. At that level, it's very hard to be a self-sustaining club because you're coming up against clubs who are, you know, happy to be run at a loss. You know, the Salford and Stockport are happy to be run at a loss because they've got owners that are happy to put the money in and lose it. Yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it it's exactly that. Yeah, and it's uh, to to an extent, and this is, this is where it'll you know, be interesting... Sorry, Simon, did you say something then? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, sorry, at the, we, we talk quite a lot about, I mean, you know, it's, it's that kind of bitter rivalry for me, but the likes of Wrexham, right? If you're that kind of, as you're saying, a, you know, 20 $30 a season player in the Football League, say League One or League Two, and Rovers come in with an offer of £2,500, maybe £3,000 for a quality striker a week, and Wrexham come in and wave £8,000 in your face, you're going to drop down a division. What will be interesting with the likes of Wrexham and, you know, they're looking at increasing the number of teams that go down to allow more to come up. You know, the, the FA want the likes of Wrexham back in the Football League, and I can understand that it's an attractive proposition. You know, they get more people through the turnstiles, sell tickets, bums on seats, revenue and so on. I understand it. What will be interesting, though, is whether they then start to change the, the kind of financial fair play to allow the likes of that. So the likes of Wrexham now, they have a home capacity of 9,000. Rovers, in a, you know, if they're on a promotion push, will get that every single week. So it's that kind of, how are they going to allow those kind of wages and that kind of money to be spent? You look at the likes of Salford, they struggle to get 1,000 through the date every week, but their revenue's coming in through, you know, the Sky Sports Super 6 sponsors that the likes of Neville will be pulling from all of his friends. And it's that kind of, rich man's, you know, rich man, rich toy kind of thing. And I think to an extent, if it's allowed to continue, it's going to start to spoil the lower leagues, the same as it has done to an extent with the Premier League, whereby, okay, a player that 10 years ago was worth £10 million is now worth £250 million, but they're the same player. And the money's just going to keep going up and up and up, and it will get it will get to an, a point. I know I've gone off topic a little bit with where Rovers are up to this season, but it will get to a point where, more teams will go bust or you know the money that's coming in just won't won't happen and so many teams will just drop off into that kind of conference and conference north kind of level division but anyway going back to our but, season but but, but 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 the trouble is with those clubs is eventually the wealthy benefactor loses interest or loses money to the point where they can't keep on losing money 
And then you have a Mac Town situation, you have a Derby situation, you have a Berry situation, and you know that, and you know, and then a community's lost its football club. Yeah, and I think as much as obviously the lads that are involved, I mean, I don't know the ins and outs, but the likes of the board that runs Salford, okay, um, obviously all ex United players, they'll have a lot of money in the bank. But are they going to want to keep on, exactly as you're just saying there, Simon, are they going to keep on wanting to throw millions of pounds at a club that's making losses year on year? It's not going to... I think they've got Salford to the level that they can get them to, in all honesty. I think that's that's kind of their ceiling. They've done a fantastic job. you know. They've brought a, a community club from being on its knees and playing not far off on a park field. And you know they've got them to you know a respectable level. Um, but I think, as you're saying, you know those kind of your, your rich owners who are just throwing money at things that it's not sustainable, is it? Um, and exactly as you say, you know clubs that have had that in the past or where owners haven't spelt, spent responsibly, um, it's gone terribly wrong for them. And I think, as a, as a, you know, back to back to my original point, although our season's not going particularly well, and I'll probably be called a, a happy clapper by a few of our fans if they're listening, um, you know that old comment of, oh, well, you know, at least we're not a berry or at least we're not. But you know what? At least we're not. We are going to be there for the next 50 years, 100 years, whatever. You know, we're not. Whilst whilst Mark and Nicola are uh, running the club, we're going to be all right. Um, but at the same time, you're putting up with rather dull football. But there you go. The life of a Tranmere fan. Onwards and upwards. <laughs> but looking at our kind of, we've got, I think it's the next five or six games. Obviously, we've won the last two just um but there's a real chance there to put a, a you know a run of results together and and start pushing back for those playoff places and melon's got a history of whether he's got a good squad or not if he gets in those playoffs you've always got a chance he's got a fantastic track record and it's well it's a hope to kill you isn't it but we've got you know there's a run of games now greg is is down on his knees praying that we do another favor for them on saturday then uh, we managed please to beat be hartlepool uh, yeah we did <laughs> did you a big favor beating Crawley last night and hopefully we can we can do the same against hartlepool on saturday and you know regardless of what talent you've got and how experienced the squad is if you're winning games of football winning mentality uh, breeds a winning mentality, doesn't it? So, you know, if we can go on a bit of a run now, now's the time coming into that Easter window where if you put results together, there's always that team that's in and around mid-table that pushes and they tend to be the team in the playoffs that does very well because the momentum's with them. So, the hope that kills you. We'll come back in another three or four episodes and I'll be enjoying another season of League Two football. But uh, for now, we we hold on to that little glimmer of hope just got a quick question whilst we're on the on the lower leagues. Um, we, we briefly spoke about Wrexham there in terms of what they're spending and the sort of popularity of Wrexham with Ryan Reynolds and things like that. Um, <clears throat> bit of a question. Well, I'll pass it to Adam and then I'll pass it to Simon. Um, so say you're a professional footballer, Adam, and Wrexham, uh, obviously non-league team, Wrexham, throw quite a lot of money at you to play in the non-leagues, would you play in the non-leagues or would you take a little bit less to be in the pre- professional football, League One, League Two? Um, I su- it depends on the team, I suppose. If you, can you throw a random team at me and I'll tell you which one I'll choose? Doncaster. I'd probably go with Wrexham. There you go. 
give up a chat give up a chance to live in Doncaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that, would you would so you yeah? It's, you can see what, where I'm coming from, going Adam, in terms of yeah. it, it's. Money's more talk. Hollywood as well. Yeah, there's it's more that. people talking about it, and like I have a friend in America who's like, because of you know the Rex. I've not watched it, but you know the Rexham documentary. Yeah. He's watched that, and now he's watching all the games, and he's like, a, he really sort of follows everything that they do now. So he he chats to me a lot about Wrexham. Um, so yeah, that a lot of people are talking about them, and I know they. I know, I suppose, for the lower league clubs, they are kind of like a villain because of how much money they have. But they are garnering attention from people that I suppose usually wouldn't really be too bothered about football because of Ryan Reynolds and the other people that are involved in it. And I suppose that if I was a football player, it seems like Wrexham are going places, so you'd want to be involved. Yeah. So I'll, I'll pass it to Simon. Actually, there was one. There was one. Is an instance actually. So I think in January, Wrexham signed. Oh, what's he called? O'Connell, who used to play for Rochdale. He he was a centre back for Charlton. Did he play for Rochdale, Greg? He did. That's the current. That's the theme in the podcast. <laughs> that's, that'll get that. That swings us nicely to the quiz question later. But I'll, that I'll would have been a track and segue. Segue. <laughs> yeah, we'll, that, that segue. We'll go back to that in a few minutes. Anyway. Yes. Um, so Wrexham signed O'Connell, one of our ex centre backs who played for Charlton. So he's gone Charlton League League One. So he's gone League, League One. one. Yeah. He's gone yeah. down two divisions. Uh, what do you What do you make of it all, Simon? In terms of the Wrexham bubble at the moment, oh, I don't begrudge the players going. They're professionals. They play for money. I'd go wherever the money. Be- in my actual yeah. life, if someone offered me double the money to change jobs, I'd do it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, that's that's just the reality of life. You know, you've got mortgages to pay, you've got families to support, whatever. I don't begrudge anyone ever sort of doing whatever is uh, whatever makes them the most money. I always think, you know, if one of us got run over by a bus, mm. uh, by by next Monday they would have had you replaced at work, or they'd have a cover person in, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, can't, yeah. they can't be that angry if you take uh, take the better money offer. So yeah, these these lads that have decided to to go and take the wrecks and money, I, I don't begrudge them that at all. It's interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's sorry, go on, Dave. No, no, I was just just agreeing. I think it's um, you'll know. Obviously, Wrexham and, and Chester are our probably two main rivals geographically. Anyway, uh, more so with with Wrexham uh, with their kind of football league history, but pains me to say it in a way that yes okay they've thrown daft money at the club have they done it in the right way probably they've gone out they've got proven gold scorers you know they've they've then got a mix of decent conference players and league two players is the squad sustainable yeah if they go up they probably hold their own would they challenge in league two possibly not but they'd be in and around there I think I've lost my, uh, my trail of original thought now what were we saying? <laughs> Completely Wrexham. gone here. Um, oh, about taking the money. Taking the money, of course. Yeah. It all comes back to the money. You look at it and you think, right, these lads have a you know 15-year career if they're lucky. Money's money at the end of the day. And you know 
as well as any other sport, there's no loyalty in football. If money's there to be had, money's there to be had. And I think in the moment, you know, a player leaves your team and goes and signs for them and whatever, and you see your backside. But if you look at it, at the end of the day, football's just a, a job, isn't it, to these lads and, and women as well. Um, and yeah, the, the money's there. I mean, at the minute, we're out striking for, for all sorts. I was on the picket line yesterday as a teacher. Um, I come home and I'm reading the news article saying that Australia are happy to offer an 80% pay rise for British teachers and nurses to go over. Sign me up. Someone can come and rent my house. I'll go over there for three or four years. And that's yeah. no no thing here against where I work. I absolutely love my place of work. But, you know, yeah. someone's nearly doubling your income to go and do the same job. Absolutely. You started, started practising your didgeridoo before you'd finished reading the advert, hadn't you? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I downed the ukulele and the guitar, and I got out the uh, yeah the Australian instruments. We won't go too far into that one. <laughs> I'm happy Down to under. Like, yeah. Reason I'm on this podcast is because Greg offered me five grand. There you go. See, <laughs> see. There's the sponsorship money, John. Greg, oh, where's dear. the sponsorship money, John? Mob, I've got a lot to say. I assume you're getting the same, Adam. Slightly more, I think. There you go. <laughs> Not any longer. That might be it. I don't know. I like the style, Greg. Play them off each other. I like it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like no, Harry Hill. Do you know remember Harry Hill used to go, fight? <laughs> tell you what, Jimmy, Jimmy better be winning some big bucks over in America to be paying for all of these guests. Jesus. No pressure, Jimmy. No pressure at all. Don't just be coming back with a 5K medal, mate. We need we need big money wins here. Big money wins. <laughs> we could probably sell all of his medals. He's got about 80, yeah. hasn't he? Something daft, I don't know. Probably, probably cash them in at, uh, at the metal, metal strapyard. Get more than the car <laughs> with all of them. Oh. So, uh, just got one more question for everybody, and then we'll, we'll crack on with the quiz to end the episode. Somehow, we've already done an hour, which is um, time flies. Um, yeah, so I've got, I've got a question. We've been talking about Wrexham and the lower leagues and things like that. Um, so it's looking like it's looking like Rochdale are heading to non-league. It's not looking great for us at the moment. Um, so I, I've had a look in the non-league. Obviously, I've been keeping an eye on it for years and things like that. But um, I don't know if I don't know if Deck does this and Jimmy and Matt and a few of us. But you look at the names in, in the conference. It's ridiculous. Like obviously, we, we spoke about Wrexham. You got Knox County are in there, uh, Chesterfield, Southend, uh, where else? Oldham Athletic, obviously, Halifax, York, York City, Torquay United, and Scunthorpe. And obviously, there's there's more further down in the next division. Yeovil like as that. well. Yeovil were in the Championship not that many years ago. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, um, yeah. A bit of an open question to everybody, but how how is it that there are so many ex EFL teams in? in the non-leagues in the last 15 years, it seems like they've just sort of all shunted down into a graveyard of ex-EFL. How, how do you think, is there any anything in there, any patterns or anything, or how it might have happened? I don't, I'm not too sure. goes back to what we were just saying then, doesn't it? Partly poor management in terms of ownership and finances. You know, you look at a lot of those sides, certainly in the conference, um, and to an extent, like I said, you know, your Conference North, your Chesters and so on, real financial... Um, impact but then you also look at some of the teams that have come up the likes of your forest greens where they've been absolutely bankrolled over the years and yet you know granted they've got to league one looks like they'll be back in league two next year and i want to be quite happy about that but um it it just goes back to that doesn't it it's where the money is and i think you go back to the the 
point we were just saying then about at our level, you know, there's no loyalty. There's no loyalty at the top level, but I don't think the the peaks and troughs of of money are as different, you know, between say the top six in the Prem and the top six in Spain, for instance. You'd be paying very similar wages. At our level, you know where the money is, and you know you that that's where teams will have a successful two or three years, or they might hit lucky with with sides that they've got, but no one sustains that. You look at even you know you kind of more secure football league teams like see Peterborough's they'll throw money at it in league two smash the league go up to league one straight back down or you know between championship and league one whatever um I think it, it just comes down to management doesn't it management of football clubs and it's it's a bit of a sorry state of affairs if we hadn't have um gone up when we went up I think that would have been us we would have been down there for 10 years plus that that had to happen that season um we were literally 45 minutes of football away from um sacking half of the, the staff and, and, and all that kind of stuff and within another year or two we probably would have gone part time um, it's it's uh, it's a cracking division to go into in terms of you know to reset if you do it well which I think we, we did in the end and I think it did the club well as a whole um, it took the pressure off and you know you were away from that kind of negativity of getting battered 6-0 every week and you were putting 4 or 5 past teams week in week out, granted most of them were bricklayers but it's a you know, it's a different league now. Um, I'd say it's a much more difficult league to get out of than what it was because of exactly what you're saying. There's so many big teams down there now. Um, well, there's so many big teams down there, but also there's so many still like genuinely really small teams. So therefore, you just know that, that they're going to get pummeled. Like you, you know, you can't really rely on an upset that much because there are some sides you think, well, you know, obviously <laughs> Wrexham or County are going to turn over whoever. You know, you know, you find yourself, and I'm not sure who's in the conference at the moment, but like, you will be bowling up at places like Boreham Wood, and you're like, this is just a pub team that's got out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> there is, yeah. there is absolutely that, Simon, and it's um, the two things that I found to be the most frustrating when we went down. So obviously, at the time, Wrexham were kind of a mig. You know, they they didn't have what yeah. they have now. Um, you didn't have your Oldham Stuntorps, etc. One, and you know, we moan about this at lower league level, but by God, the conference was a different standard. The level of officials was appalling, oh, and that yeah, was yeah, that was week in, week out to the point where you would batter a side and you'd be denied three. Sto- like the defenders, pretty much jumped up and caught it with two hands. You know, blatant stuff. Not not where fans are going with you know rose tinted glasses to games, where officials were robbing you of points week in, week out. That was one real kind of frustration and something completely out of your hands. The second being, and it goes back to, I mean, you, you'll, you I mean, hopefully not, Greg, but may experience this next year. When you go down to that kind of level, I mean, if you look at Rovers, right, you've got a ground that holds or had the potential at the time to hold 16,500, right? That, to uh, most of the players in that division, is their cup final. So yeah. they're coming to Brenton Park week in, week out, playing different mind games and dirty tactics and this, that and the other. You're trying to get yourself up for a game where you're going in thinking, right, we should put four past these. The likes of Dover, for instance. Now, they were bankrolled for a few years, but Dover, we'll just use those as an example. As a as a fan, you should be beating Dover four or five nil with the team that we had. Dover would come up, and for half of those players, that's the pinnacle of their career. They're walking out, you know, coming through the tunnel with the phones out, taking videos and pictures of each other on the pitch and all of this. 
that's their highlight of their career. And they're coming out and they're playing like their life absolutely depends on it. One, because they probably want to be picked up. And two, they know, with all due respect, bar a few of them, that's probably as high that they're going to play. Um, I'm trying to think who it was. It could have been Boreham Wood. And we got beat on a Tuesday night. 1-0, smash and grab. And I think they had 12 fans. I'm sure it was Boreham Wood. And it was like, that's when it hit that we were non-lead. It was like, we're not... You could have Messi playing for us and nothing you know, is a god-driven right. Um, it's an interesting division. But some good memories. Hopefully, Greg, if, if you do go down, um, it'll be a, a quick visit and you'll, you'll kind of gather a bit of momentum but yeah it's it's not all it's cracked up to be it's definitely non-lead <laughs> Boreham Wood by the way sort of the bar bit is like the seediest pl- it's like this it's sort of been designed based on a strip club and it's like got these, it's like black everywhere it's got these black leather sofas You're like what on earth has gone on here like, I don't know who who what the inspiration was is quite clear when you go in it's like a theme there isn't there I think yeah <laughs> That's a, great, yeah. that's a great question. If you could base a football club on a theme of anything. <laughs> don't know. What, what do you think there, Adam? What would you theme it on? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm too... <laughs> I have no idea, to be honest. So. No. Right. <laughs> it's been a long day for me. My, I know. We're nearly, rapid. we're nearly there, Adam. We're nearly <laughs> at the end. Um... Honestly, though, Greg, some of the... Uh, yeah. and, and lads as well, some of the drowns in that... Div- I mean, I I'm trying to think who's still in there now. But um, Solihull Mills was just the most bizarre yeah. ground I've ever been to. Basically, backs onto Birmingham International Airport. So you've got planes coming over <laughs> that you look and you think, if someone clears that ball half decent, there's a chance they're going to hit the wing. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Um, Not the wing on the pitch as well. Yeah, no, well, well, we couldn't hit that if we tried. Um, <laughs> and one of, one of the funniest moments of the conference was actually at their ground thought the liner went to go and check the net before we kicked off and the net had come off the crossbar. The groundsman was nowhere to be seen. So he spent about five minutes trying to find the stepladder and we ended up with our centre-back on the goalkeeper's shoulders fixing the net. <laughs> trying to think who... Um, uh, McEverly? Uh, oh, what's his name? Not Lee McEverly. No, ex, no. ex-prem defender play for Blackburn was on Scott Davis's shoulders fixing the goal net and I just thought, good oh, God. Man. Darsley uh, away. That was literally like fans there with their dogs. I've never seen anything like it. Um, just like, but some like you look back now and you think, God, it, I hope it never happens to us again. But some bloody dub memories. Like, Do you know what? Just, yeah, uh, it might brilliant. be a good crack. It might just be a good crack. But the way Simon sold it to me there is that there's a club that's like basically themed on a strip club. Oh. Oh, yeah, so the next week yeah. it's like it's like um, bring you bring your parents and dog week or something. You're like, I don't know. and it's an opportunity to tick off some new ground. Eastleigh Eastleigh yeah. was an interesting Eastley. one. There was yeah. nothing there, and we ended up in a wine lodge. I mean, you can imagine, can't you? Coaches <laughs> coaches are lads from Birkenhead, and we rocked up at this wine lodge, and it was all like real posh farmers and their wives out for like Saturday <laughs> afternoon lunch. <laughs> And thought, all uh, these lads walked in. Didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought it was a new sign. <laughs> I'm just looking <laughs> along. Um, who else was there when we were? Right, there? Halifax. Why that was a, yeah, Halifax um, a good away, Dame. Yeah, Halifax is a good away. Yeah, Gates Head. You sit about four miles away from the pitch. That's an interesting <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> yeah, National League North and South. Filed. Gosh. That good little setup at Filed. Yeah. Uh, obviously Chester. We we know a lot about Chester. Kidderminster Harriers. Best that pies around. Superb, yep. 
spoke about that the other week, didn't we? Um, Hereford, interesting. Hereford. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's what we'll do in the next episode, Deck. I'm going yeah, to give you. I'll a talk club. you through all the you shit rounds I've been to. One word answer. <laughs> Just give me one word answers next time. Outstanding. I look forward to it. Absolutely. <laughs> what's um, what's on, the worst pie you've had at a football ground? Worst pie? Interesting. Do you know what? Um, I'm going to sink us here. It could be a tram here. Oh, to be fair, granted, granted the food's gotten better the last few years, I, I must say. Um, right, let me have a think. Greg, I'll hand it to you for a minute and I'll have a yeah, think. Yeah. Um, I, I could go off best pie and then work my way down, but I think <laughs> I'm going... Yeah, I don't know for worst pie. I'll try and eliminate it quickly. Good pie. I um, last season I went to I went to watch Matt Town away at Northwich Victoria. Oh yeah, and uh, and I was queuing up to get a, a bovril, and because Mac basically are kind of that big team in the league, so playing like Northwest County Division Two or something. Yeah. So it's like they were obviously turning up with quite a few fans. So for for Northwich Victoria, it was like the big payday. You know, you're taking a lot behind the counter. Yeah, and there was this kid who was just a bit of a dick, to be honest with you. <laughs> and he was just like, we're queuing up, and he was just like really annoying, really rude, and just a, anyway. He kind of looked a bit like me, you know. He was just a sort of bald lad wearing jeans and a, and a top. And because we both had big black coats on and our hoods up, so basically, I, the. The women working behind the counter just—they didn't seem to have any pricing structure. They just seemed to sort of make a number up because they're a bit <laughs> overwhelmed. Like, I don't think they'd ever had such a big queue. Yeah. So he ordered, and then I ordered, and then I think she thought I was the dick. I think she oh. got confused. So she charged. So she kept like she, I'd not seen her charge anyone more than two quid for whatever they were getting. <laughs> and then she charged me three pound fifty, but I, I, I just <laughs> like no, I'm. I'm, a, I'm just a nice guy who just wants his bovril and really cold. <laughs> and it was a bit like I felt like I was paying a tax because she thought I was this guy. Honestly, that's um, I think that's a Morrissey <laughs> lyric, isn't it? I'm just a nice guy who wants my bovril. <laughs> Sounds like a half man, half biscuit album title that, after yeah, our conversation does, before it? we started recording. Oh, um, I'm gonna have to not think. necessarily worse pie, but say again, Adam. <laughs> Or is Simon? No. What did you say? Oh, Simon? sorry, Simon. What was that? Oh, just that I hope that I age better than Morrissey has done. But... <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't mind being a few twig behind them in the bank. <laughs> um, not necessarily worst food, but one of the most bizarre, and it has changed. Um, this is going back a good few years. This is probably 10 years plus. Uh, at the best dot stadium, Walsall's ground. I, th- I don't know whether I've mentioned this on here before. Mm. Um, from memory, I remember queuing up for a burger through the men's toilets. So I don't know whether there was part of the like concourse that wasn't open, but you have men, women and children not only walking oh, to no. get the food, but also having to come back through the toilets <laughs> with the food. It was just the most bizarre. No one battered an eyelid to it, though. But right. looking back at it now and you're thinking, one, how the hell was that? It must have been, there must have been a section of the concourse that was shut or, what you know, there was work or something going on. But it was looking back now, and you think, how the hell did they get away with that? Like literally, like fellas pissing two yards away from me walking back through with like what looked to be a decent burger in furnace. Yeah, that that's yeah, just popped into my mind. So, granted, the so, food was probably all right, but um, so in theory, what, 
Yeah, in theory, if you if you didn't need like you you didn't need a, if you couldn't have a piss, you couldn't have a pie, basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's good marketing, though, isn't it? It's a good policy. Though, and not you walk into walk into a toilet and there's a food hygiene certificate. Who's giving these out? Please remember to wash your hands um, and not walk in a ground. But I, distinct, I distinctly remember this. I had a KFC once before we Uh-oh. played Strunthorpe away. I remember yes. we we won four two. Mustafa Tiriaki scored a brace. I think it was the only time he ever scored for us. Um, and I got food poisoning off this KFC and oh. spent the whole of the second half in the toilets, which oh. were in a much worse state than Walsall's, I must say. Not great toilets at Stuntorf for anyone who's uh, thinking of visiting. They may yeah. have been refurbed, but yeah, that, that was a bit of a long journey back, that. Lots of sweat. Not good. I've got, <laughs> I've got a funny story about Scunthorpe. I'll just try and crowbar this one in. It must have been about, 20, about 2004, we played Scunthorpe away from home and there was a goose on the pitch and we couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> and the stewards weren't for having... I'm sure it was a goose. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to look this up. And That's the, a whole episode in itself, isn't it? And there was <laughs> Jack Russell on the pitch at the uh, Stockport like away years bit, ago. It was brilliant. The, the stewards were sort of didn't know what to do and then they, they, sort, of got, they sort of made a bit of a... Jet, um, bit of a beeline for it and then it weren't moving and then it sort of came back on again and then our goalkeeper ended up trying because he had gloves on obviously goalkeeper but he was trying to pick it up and do something with it I'm sure Neil Edwards moved a goose got rid of a goose on the pitch I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to find that out now but um it's come top it's it's it, food poisoning and geese basically that's um that's Scunthorpe and if <laughs> take your pick with Scunthorpe um <laughs> So I think we'll, um, we'll we'll end on there, chaps, and we'll we'll go to the quiz. We've got a few questions, and then and then we'll we'll wrap it up because it's um, I didn't realise how late it was. It's, it's getting getting. Well, what's what's the Man United score, Adam? How, how's Man United going on? Let me. You know what? I've been so engaged in our conversation, I've not even looked since. Oh, okay. So it, I think we're Jump. losing. <laughs> we're losing Shit. one nil. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, Deary me. Deary me. Got time. Yeah, still got half an hour. Half an hour left, half an hour left. Um, okay, Deck, have you got a few questions? I've got a few questions, but do you want to do yours or do you want to do mine? Yeah, first? I've got our five-a-side questions written on the back of, for the uh, audio listeners, the back of an envelope. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the back of a um, Benson and Hedges. Pack <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it like my passing. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah. Okay, so uh, just to go through the rules... If there's anyone sad enough to be playing along with this, if they're wanting to pause the episode at any stage, you never know. Um, So three questions. Each one has five possible answers. They're in um, order of, you know, most likely or, you know, highest earning or whatever. Um, If you give the the top answer, you gain one point. If you give the fifth, like, lowest score and answer, you get five points. So we're after the more obscure answer, if that makes sense. So you can take a bit of a risk or gamble with with things. You could play safe and guarantee yourself a point. Some of them are quite obvious that they're not quite as obscure as Jimmy, um, as I, I don't spend my life on Wikipedia. So <laughs> hopefully you'll all store points, but it's uh, a bit of a gamble in terms of how many points you want to store. So they've all got a little bit of a theme. Um, I think it was Greg put something out the other day about... Um, whether or not football shirts 
hold or gain value like other things that we buy. I don't know whether that was you, Greg. I think it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I've gone down the, the football awesome. shirt and football manufacturing route. So oh, yeah. hopefully is... you'll all be able to gain some points. Question numero uno. Footballers who sold the most replica shirts with their name on the back in the uh, calendar year of 2022. So I'm after the footballer, or well, footballers, who sold the most replica shirts with their name on the back in 2022. Oh. Is it, uh, I mean, it's just UK based, is it? No, no. So this is this is global. Sorry, I'll I'll emphasise what leagues I'm on about. So this is this is oh. global. Um, yeah. So what we usually do is you can just chip in with an answer if you think you've got an answer. Um, yeah. And if two people go for the same thing, that's fine tonight. Doesn't um, matter. I'm not going to break doesn't up matter. any fights. <laughs> <clears throat> so, right. so I want someone in the top five. You want someone in the top five? You can go. I mean. The, the top answer for this, I would assume, would be fairly obvious. So you could go for that and kind of guarantee yourself a point, or you could go a little bit riskier and try and gain two points for second place, three points for third place, and so on, down to fifth mm. place. So yes. ideally, you want the you want the fifth it's best, hard, don't you? Hard to be confident on just how many millions of people got those Tom Heat and Man United shirts when he came <laughs> back, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, a lot of people had them from the first time round, so they wouldn't have. Wouldn't <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a name. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say Mbappe. Okay, Mbappe for I'll Greg. I'll go for Mbappe. Yeah. Okay, uh, Adam. I'm gonna try an obscure one. I'm gonna say Vinicius Junior. Okay. And Simon. Sorry. I'm I'm also going to yeah. go down the Real Madrid route and I'm going to go Benzema. Benzema. Okay. Sorry, I'm typing out answers here so I don't make an absolute fool of myself. I'm not the best quiz master in the world. <laughs> uh, right. We're going to go, just for added suspense, we're going to go from top to bottom rather than bottom to top. Um, I can confirm that at least one of you has stored points in this round. In first place, selling 1.2 million replica shirts is Messi. Second place, Ronaldo with 1.05 million replica shirts. In third place, Lewandowski with 970,000 replica shirts. In fourth place, uh, yes, yeah. Um, In fourth place, Mo Salah, 816,000. I think half of those have been sold to the kids in my school. Um, and in fifth place, this is where one of you store points in case anyone hasn't figured this out. With seven hundred and ninety thousand sales, Greg five points, Mbappe. Oh my word! So oh, Greg, that was a Greg five yeah. points, and Adam Gee, oh. and Simon still on for a duck. Okay, second <laughs> question. So this obviously you can you could go for something a little bit easier here and, and try and gain yourself an easy point. Okay. okay. Question two, the highest valued shirt sponsor of the 2022-2023 season in world football. Okay, so you you need to give me the team, if that makes sense. So, for instance, you could say Tranmere and the sponsor would be SR. I don't need both, but just give me the the team. So So the top five highest value shirt sponsors this season. Okay. 
this season. Obviously, yeah. you want the one in fifth. Now, fourth and fifth, sorry, fourth, there's two teams worth the same amount. And fifth, there's three teams worth the same amount. So you've got quite a good chance Ooh. of getting yeah. someone down okay. that end, okay? Uh, so really, we just need to name a team, don't we, really, that yep. you think would have a high sponsor cost? Give you a clue, Greg. It's not Rochdale. <laughs> Go on, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, sorry, that was before you gave that clue. Uh, just... <laughs> Crown Oil, the last of the big spenders. There you go, look at that. Are you impressed I knew that without even looking? Um, yeah, pretty much. So I, I think... Uh, when they were pulling all their levers, I think Barcelona's was quite a big one. Is it with Spotify? I think that's quite it a lot. It is. Of oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Adam? Mm. Not to put you under any pressure. I'm just going to say Man City. Okay. Mm. So Man City. Yeah, how legit is that? Is that a, are they all going to the <laughs> 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 This is it. And um, Sir Greg? Gosh, uh, he's all flustered now. I haven't been told, sir. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll go for. I'll go for PSG. I think. Okay. Okay, PSG. Interesting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Good news, boys. You've all scored points on that round. Okay. Uh, Top value shirt sponsor, Real Madrid Emirates, worth seventy million pounds. In second place, Greg, you've earned yourself another two points. PSG with a core, 65 million. Third place, Simon, you've scored three points. Barcelona's deal with Spotify, 57.5 million pounds. In joint fourth place was Adam, you've gained four points. Manchester City and with Etihad and Manchester United with TeamView, both 55 million. And then in fifth place... You could have had Arsenal with Emirates, Chelsea with three, or Liverpool with Standard Charter, all for forty-seven and a half million pounds. So, going into the final question, uh, in third place, Simon three points, Adam second place with four points, and Greg, because Matt's not here, is storming away with it on seven points. We all know that Matt will be playing along at home somewhere. <laughs> he will be. And he'll probably he'll tweet his results. He'll probably go live on Twitter. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Third and final question. I know you're all riveted by this. Okay. <laughs> I want you to name the top or most used kit manufacturers for the for Europe's top five leagues. So we're talking the leader, Premier League, etc. So as in the kit manufacturer. Okay. So it could be like high tech. Yes. I'll right. give you a clue, though, Greg. There's no yeah. team sponsored by Hi-Tech. Um, oh. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I'm after the I'm after the brand. So, top five. Okay. Uh, and by that, I mean how many clubs they manufacture. The ah, tip right. Okay. okay. As a percent. Yeah. 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 I.e. Uh, so, say, for instance, um, I'll give you one that's not on the list. Umbro, for instance, might do two teams. So, they're not right. two. Rivet and stuff, I know. Interesting. Um, That's one word for it, Greg. Yeah. Got me, got me brain ticking. Obviously, there's there's the big names, and then there's a, there's. Right, I think I'm going to have a stab in the dark at this. I'm going to go. go I'm going to do. I'm going to go for a Matt, Matt Driver, 
he got his phrase. Oof. What does he say? Balls to the wall. Balls to I'm the wall. For, I'm, I'm going for Puma. Okay. Oh, I was thinking Puma. <laughs> I, I was going to go with that. Well, <laughs> you, can, you can still can. <laughs> no, can. Yeah, you can all go for it. Come on, most certainly. <laughs> Sorry. Have I, I've gone well in there. Sorry. Well, so I'm gonna no. I'm gonna stay clear of the big two because I feel like I, I need big points. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna go for Kappa. Kappa. Oh, that's okay. A nice, that's that a is nice balls thing. against the wall, isn't it? I like that. I'm hoping I'm hoping to do a lot in Italy then. That's <laughs> yeah, a good shout. I like it. Uh, Adam, are you sticking with Puma or? No, give me a second. There's one I'm thinking of, but I just actually know what the card. I'm just gonna try and find the logo. One sec, okay. I think he can <laughs> Google this. Fair, I, I, let, let him Google this. Yeah, he, he draws up the Lodo Dame now right. from late 2008. <laughs> yeah. No, it's COVID. Can anyone think? I'm sure it's like a logo where it's like two people that are sat the opposite way of each other, but they sort of like joint together. That's, Does that ring any bells for anyone? That's Kappa. That's Kappa. Is that Kappa? Oh, that's what yeah. Simon's just picked. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they did yeah. some gorgeous kits. They did some crackers, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Proper like yeah, spray-on yeah. shirts as well from memory. Like they were like <laughs> yeah, yeah, before yeah, yeah, compression yeah. shirts were a thing. Kappa so, were, were there, weren't they? Very. Steve McNulty will be glad that he didn't have to wear any of those throughout his career. What a man, a, by the way. They had a cracker. I only know for. Yeah. Weren't they with Tottenham and Portsmouth? I think. Um, I always remember them with that random French team. Was it Oxford? Somewhat, yeah, something like they that. They had yeah. um, PlayStation 2 on the front. I always wanted that kit, but then I got fat. So, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Some of the, like, I was talking to this with um, Shell's mum the other day. This this particular kit I've got on is a 4XL. It's ridiculous. It's like, Herrera, they call it Herrera. Herrera, yeah. It's a t- Italian manufacturers, but the sizes are just all over the fucking show. But you don't get many f- fat Italians, do you? Or do you? No, you, well, you <laughs> wouldn't know with sizes like that. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Um, Adam, are you going with Kappa as well? or No, I'm going to go with Jacko. Jacko? Jacko. Okay, good shout. That is also balls against the wall, isn't it? Right, we'll go top to bottom. Um, first place, Adidas, 17... Uh, clubs they represent, founded by Adolf Dazzler in 1949. <laughs> I was getting, getting worried there, Dick. <laughs> Interesting. You know the story between him and his yes. brother, don't you? Yeah. 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 We won't yeah. go into too much detail there because we're probably losing listeners by the minute. Uh, second place, <laughs> Nike with 17 also. So actually they would have been joint top. Um, in third place, three points for Sir Gregory with Puma. Ooh. 11 points, obviously founded by Adolf's brother, Rudolf, in 1948. Now, in fourth place, this is where Adam and Simon, I'd imagine a few streaky bums, boys. This is intense now. Macron. 10 teams. (laughs) So very close there with Kappa. So Macron with 10 teams. And bringing it right back to the Wirral. Any guesses as to the tip brand that's founded on the Wirral? Famous uh, for all of their cricket wear. And they're now to, they featured in the uh, Milk Cup Trophy final last weekend. Not for Manchester United. Oh, Castor. Interesting. Who, 
uh, represent right. six top flight sides. I'd quite like those to represent Tranmere, to be honest. So, so That'd be Bumbra, nice, would represent less than six top flight sides? Yeah, I, I was surprised by that. What? So yeah. I know they represent West, Bro- uh, West Ham, yeah. um, Burnley, yeah. and... Well, Burnley are, Burnley are top flight side, are they? No, that's, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. That's true. Um, I'm trying to think who they do represent, but yeah, they didn't make the mix. So, wow. um, congratulations to our winner, Stores on the Doors, to Dreg, who, I think that's a new PB, Dreg, 10 points. Yeah. That's, Jesus. That's something. That could be an all-time that's, record, that. That's nosebleed territory. I wish Rochdale could get Certainly 10 points. Is. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh. oh, dear. Um, so, I'll let you know. I've got I've got a quick game, but we can just do do two of these questions are quite quite straightforward ones. So uh, we'll, yeah, we'll do we'll do two, and then we'll we'll see how many points people get. Rob, whatever. So um, Matt Driver, who's usually with us on this podcast, came up with, a, with an idea to. He said, "Name three footballers, but two of them are false footballers. So two of them don't exist, and one of them is a real footballer." Um, and he said, um, because because yeah, I, I, there's, there's, there's like a bit of a common theme that I always say, he played for Rochdale, and then Deck, that's what Deck was referencing before. So I'm calling this game Dale. I've had no... three stints at the club, and I can't kick a ball. But <laughs> <laughs> you play a manager with one of them, Deck. <laughs> um, so I'm calling this game Dale or No Dale. There you go. <laughs> Dale or No Dale. So I'm going to give you three names. And then you you have to guess who you think is the real footballer who played for Rochdale. Okay. So we'll we'll go around uh, with that one. So, okay, Dale or no Dale? Kevin Jackson, Matty Entwistle, or Lee Duffy? So, so I'll go through. Have you made up one of these? Uh, two of these names. Two of these aren't real. One of them has played for Rochdale. And he's a professional footballer. So that's Kevin Jackson, Matty Entwistle, or Lee Duffy. I'm going to go for Matty Entwistle. Okay. I'm going to just make sure I get, get these written down, or else I will forget. <laughs> Sai, you're going for Matty. As, yeah. Okay. Anybody else willing to... You uh... want the one that we think is the footballer, yeah? Yes, yeah. Whoever I'll you think Lee, is the real... Lee Duffy. Okie dokie. There's a bit of a twang yeah. to his name, but I don't I'll know. I'll go with Duffy as well. Yeah. Adam, are you going for Duffy? Yeah. Okie dokie. So, um, yeah, so the real the real footballer is Lee Duffy. Well done. Wait. Yes, well done. So, I think Deck and Adam have got that one. I'll just do one more and then we can we can say it all. That's, that's, that's an impressive made-up name, that Entwistle. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, um, I, I live near Entwistle Res so I just thought I'd chuck that in there <laughs> I wouldn't want to pay to get that on the back of a shirt Entwistle a few letters there isn't there £1.25 a pop used to be 75p <laughs> yeah. we always go for a misspelling as well isn't there oh yeah um, right so bit of a random story sorry about share printing I used to Art lies. Uh, he's now the goalkeeping coach at Liverpool. John Achterberg is my all-time childhood hero. Yeah, and they could never fit Achterberg on a child's top. 
because it kind of go from beyond armpit to beyond armpit and they'd never do it. So I ended up with John and number one on the back of my shirt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. See Good you. old John. Anyway. Good old John. <clears throat> okay, so last question and then we'll wrap up the pod. Um, okay, so same again. Dale or no Dale? Three players. One of them is a real player. Okay, so... Uh, Tommy Eastwood, Wayne Collins, Scott Warner. So that's Tommy Eastwood, Wayne Collins, Scott Warner. You can go whichever. You have to pick who you think is the real, the real deal or uh, Dale, Dale, Dale or not Dale, sorry. Yeah. Right, I feel like this podcast cancelled. Noel Edmonds will have you. <laughs> oh, ever said that to me before. No, Edmund's gonna, he's gonna get you. <laughs> he's coming for you. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Blob is his lawyer. Oh, good lord! We, we, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna okay. go with a tedious link here. We had a former Liverpool goalkeeper, Tony Warner, who I fondly remember headbutting Lee Hughes in a. Friendly tie against uh, Notts County. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Stop Warner. That okay. was right, wasn't it? Stop Warner. Yeah. yeah Stop Warner. Yeah. Tedious link. Okay. Recognisable no surname. There you go. So, uh, Adam and Simon, what do you reckon? Tommy Entwistle, Wayne Collins, or Scott Warner? I'm going to say Wayne Collins was the Rochdale player. Okie dokie. Sai, what do you reckon? Uh, who's that? I'll go for the other one. T- Tommy, whatever he's called. Tommy. I nearly said Tommy Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, he used to be a board of director for Rochdale, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the 80s, honestly. He nearly he sunk that ship. Well, <laughs> you couldn't make it up, could you? Like a comedian on the direct board of directors. Like, that's, that's honestly. Yeah, he, he truly was. He didn't know real. Mike Bassett, did he? <laughs> to be fair, we'd probably be winning games. We might bust it, you know. So, oh, okay. So, Dex gone for Scott Warner. Sai's gone for Tommy Eastwood, and Adam, you've gone for Wayne Collins. So, the real Rochdale player is Scott Warner. Dex got that one right. Mm. Dex got that one right. Yeah, super. I'm just trialing. Biggest achievement of the week, that boys. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, on, it's only Wednesday. Things are going to tell you what by the weekend. I'll be flying. Winning lottery tickets, the works. Well done, guys. There won't be a a Dale player you can't name. There won't be, no. And if I win the lottery, I'll be able to pay both of your five grand fees for this evening. (laughs) That'll uh, that'll balance the books, won't it, Greg? Don't don't forget about Jimmy's winnings. No, well, Jimmy will have gone and took the company card, which, by the way, we haven't got. Unless you start being sponsored by Revolut, you never know. You know, we we could go places. (laughs) But for now... Jimmy's blowing the budget. Oh, man. Not in Vegas, on a tub of Prindles on the Ryanair flight. He was on getting out there. <laughs> About eight quid a tub. <laughs> oh, super. So we'd like to thank Adam and Simon for joining us for this for this episode of It's Only a Game. Um, yeah, we, are on, we are on the um, sports social network, which we're quite happy about. For how long we stay on there, I don't know. But, um, yeah, we've managed <laughs> Fantastic to... Uh, plug, Fantastic, Fantastic plug, Greg. Fantastic plug. And Make sure you listen of, to all the sponsors. Yep, yeah, speaking of plugs, 
I will plug this book. We have been given a free edition of this quiz book. It is Football for Brains by Stephen End, and he's kindly passed us this book in the post. Um, what we will do is our next in our next podcast, we'll pick a few of these questions out as well, Deck. We'll absolutely. Because, um, and we're not. And at some point, we'll. After so we've you, absolutely rinsed all of the quiz questions, we'll get some kind of competition on um, Twitter, whether you know, we'll come up with something, um, or everyone that replies to a tweet or retweets a tweet or something like that, and we'll put everyone's uh, Twitter handles on one of those spinny wheel things and, and come up with a winner. We'll figure yeah. out a way that, that we can we can get that out to somebody. Obviously, once we've absolutely used every single twist. <laughs> Quizzed Look out for that competition in four years' time. Yeah, <laughs> maybe version two, Greg. You could sell them Dale or No Dale. You could. Uh-huh. There you go. Watch yourself, Paddy McGuinness, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> so we would just like to thank Adam and Simon for popping on. Thank you very much, yeah, gents, for much, joining gents. us thank this evening. Thanks yeah, for your really time. Super. You. We'll, we'll definitely have you have you back on if you want to if you join, want to join us again. We'll we'll have you back on in a few months' time. See how Man United are getting on things like that so we'd just like to thank the listeners for tuning in and um, Jimmy usually says this phrase right at the end but it's only a game Sports Social Podcast Network